0: Welcome to the Hunt the West podcast, where it's all about getting outside, experiencing the outdoors, and having epic adventures. At Hunt the West, my number one goal for you is to get out and hunt. I'm Skyler Harrison. I'm your host. And today we've got one of my good friends, Paulo Johnson, coming on the podcast, and he's talking about his very first hunt. Paulo is a new hunter, and he's actually contributed a lot to this show, kind of behind the scenes, and we get into that in the episode a little bit. And you'll hear Paulo's backstory how he grew up in American Samoa and then he came back here to the states and then wanted to get into hunting and so we follow his journey through a really difficult elk hunt and then later on to a successful mule deer hunt this year. So, if you're a beginner, if you've ever thought you can't hunt out west or if you don't have a mentor, there's a lot of lessons in here that will help you know that those are just obstacles that you can overcome and you can get out and hunt just like Paulo did. So we're going to hear all the details of his story. But before we get into that, I do want to let you guys in on a little bit of an offer that I'm going to do for 2021. So we're coming in on the close of 2020 and that means it is going to be application season and planning season and e-scouting season for 2021. And there is so much that goes into planning a hunt. Just finding the tag is a huge problem and a huge obstacle that you have to overcome. And it is so complicated that every state has their own rules and it's different for residents and non-residents. And how do you know if you need to buy a license or if you don't, or you don't have to pay until after you draw the tag or what tags you have to tag, what over the counter tags you need. If there's points, preference points versus bonus points, like it is super complicated. That's where I come in. I want to make this a lot simpler for people. So what I am going to do is for the first five people who take me up on this. I will do a complete end-to-end white glove service from application to scouting, to dropping those waypoints for you, where you're going to camp, where you're going to hike, where you're going to glass all those points. All you have to do is we'll get on a Skype call with me or a zoom call or whatever. And we'll figure out what kind of hunt you want to do, what your experience level is, what kind of hunt you want to do. If you want to do a backpack hunt or you're going to be car camping, or if you have multiple days or you a weekend warrior, We'll figure out exactly what type of hunt you're looking for, and I will plan everything for you. But I'm only going to do this for the first five people to kind of validate this idea because I'm going to be totally honest with you guys. Like, I don't know if people are super interested in this. And if you are, that's great. I'm going to give you a special price because normally, I mean, this is going to take a ton of my time and I want to do it right. So I promise I will over deliver. And once I figure out this process, it's probably going to be a few hundred dollars. Because it, just honestly, it's going to take a lot of time and we're at multiple calls and we'll be getting on and off calls and you'll be dropping waypoints. I'll drop waypoints for you, whatever. We're g- It's going to be a long process. It's going to kind of be all year long, right? And so I'm going to charge a premium price for it. But for now, for the first five people, I'm only going to charge $50. So if you're interested in that, I'll give some more details at the end of the episode because I want to get into this episode with Paulo because it's such a great episode. But if you're interested in that at all, um, I am just stoked. I, I love e-scouting and I love finding new spots to go. So that's like my favorite thing in the world. And so I'd love to do it for you, but I'm only going to take five people. And um, if any of you are, you know, we get a few months into it and you're like, I feel like this is not helpful or whatever. For any reason, I'll just give you your money right back. I don't care. So there's absolutely no risk. And if you're serious about that, um, just go down. I'll leave my Venmo in the podcast notes, the show notes here. Just send me $50 and I'm, I'm only going to take five people. So if you're the sixth person, I'll just be like, hey, sorry, I've already got five people and I'll just send you your money back. And But I promise it'll never be this cheap ever again. So I just need to validate this idea, see if people are interested in it. And if it is, maybe I will offer it to everyone else. So if you want to get on that, I'll leave that information. I'll talk about it more at the end of the episode too, because I really want to just get into this episode. So here is my conversation with Paulo Johnson. All right, Paulo, welcome to the Hunt the West podcast. How's it going, man?
1: Yeah, good. Thanks for having me.
0: Um, I am so stoked to have you on here because you have been a huge inspiration for many episodes behind the scenes where of our personal conversations and they just kind of spark an episode that I'll do. And so, yeah, you've been a huge contributor to (laughs) the show, even though you may not be like totally like directly on the show, but now you directly are on the show. And so here you are. So welcome.
1: (laughs) It's a weird feeling.
0: (laughs) Yeah, dude. Well, uh, I want to get into your story. We'll start from the very beginning and how you got into hunting. What brought you to that desire, how you prepared, and then some of your lessons that you learned early on, and then we'll get into the the story of your first, um, big game kill. So, all right, let's good. start at the very beginning. Like, what even sparked the desire for you to start hunting? What's kind of your background? Give people an idea of where that came from.
1: Sure. Um, yeah, my uh, so I grew up in American Samoa. Um, my dad's Caucasian. My mother's full Samoan. And my dad would always talk about growing up in the States and going hunting and pheasant hunting and shotgun shooting and all that stuff. And we didn't have that on the island. So it was always kind of interesting to me. Um, he wasn't a very successful hunter, my dad, but he loved to do it and uh, took me out a couple of times when I was in high school um didn't get anything but it was always fun I mean I love camping and being outdoors so uh I've always had that interest just never had the know-how not not really anyone to uh show me into it really because aside from aside from those couple of times I went in high school with my dad um I never really have been um big game hunting before and uh just uh about a year ago i started or uh yeah I started following my buddy ross's instagram page and in a an attempt to try to reconnect with him with you know an old high school friend and just seeing all of his adventures hunting and as he always says you know being out in the high country like i'm like what's the high country you know but it sounds cool and uh yeah um yeah just i, I mean i've always loved shooting guns that's just fun you know but uh it really like what really started it for me was having this base interest that wasn't really going anywhere to one day i'm in your lab because we work in the same place you and i and i'm like hey how's it going because i'm a weirdo and i like to talk to strangers
0: yeah like i didn't know who you were (laughs)
1: yeah i don't think we'd even ever said hi to each other but yeah i just i love talking to people and so i was kind of like hey how's it going and you're like oh uh good and i i was just really bored like my boss was giving this (laughs) this tour of this fancy new machine we were getting in the lab and i just i was like i'm gonna talk to this guy instead he looks interesting (laughs)
0: And for those of you who don't understand, like, so we l- we work in a lab where the, like, if you had to stereotype everybody that works in a lab, it would be like a, qui- a quiet, reserved kind of antisocial person is like, if I had to pick one personality, it would be kind of that. Yeah, I where, agree. Like people keep to themselves. Like we put our headphones in, we do our work, we, yep. you know, we run those samples and we make sure that we get good results and that's like our job. We just yeah. put our nose to the grind and we go totally, but you don't really fit that mold. You're like no. a social butterfly.
1: I, yeah, <laughs> definitely. am like, I, I, customer service is my jam, but it just doesn't pay the bills. <laughs> yeah.
0: So,
1: um, yeah, I just started talking to you and I said, Hey, what, so what do you like? And you were like, I'm actually, I really love hunting. And I was like, Oh, cool. Like, I kind of like hunting. And you're like, do you hunt? And I was like, no, I, I don't hunt, but I like hunting. <laughs> and uh, you're like, well, you should really hunt, man. And I was like, well, I don't know. I don't have the gear or anything. And you're like, you should put in for the deer tag this year. And I'm like.
0: Oh, yeah. That's well, right. Because it was like application season.
1: Yeah. Cause it, it was, chances dude, are I was like listening was made, to a
0: hunting podcast at the time too. It was
1: like <laughs> so. mid to late January. And you yeah. were like, you should get a deer tag and go hunting and I'm like, that's crazy. Like, I don't have any gear. I don't have any of the know-how. I don't have anyone to show me. And you're like, dude, uh, tag applica- or application deadline is February 5th. And I remember looking at the calendar, like, that's like a week and a half away. And you're like, you can do it. And I was like, <laughs> like, well, I mean, it sounds like a good idea. But like I said, I don't have any gear. I don't know how. And you're like, all you need is to borrow someone's rifle and just get out there and do it and i'm standing there i remember standing there and i'm looking at this perfect stranger and i'm like dude i don't even know you like you're right i started you... out
0: chit-chatting and you're like <laughs> telling me i need to go like grab somebody's gun and go shoot an animal in the woods like what the heck yeah mean?
1: right and i was like but i mean he's kind of right oh because what you said to me was like what's stopping you man and i remember thinking oh well, yeah what is stopping me because you said just borrow a rifle, and I'm like, that's a good point. I know plenty of people with rifles, and you're like, just borrow a rifle, get a tag, and just go do it. And I was like, yeah, he's right. Like I should just go do it, right? (laughs) So that day, I went home and I talked to my wife because, like, I've talked to her about hunting before. Like in the, I wanted to get into it, and we talked about it a little bit last year. But again, like, I didn't have the gear, didn't have the money or time. You know, you know all the standard excuses. And uh, I went home that night and talked to her. And I said, you know, this guy at work just, like, had a good point. Like, what's stopping me? And she kind of looked at me. and She was like, I mean, other than you're crazy, nothing. <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm going to put in for a tag. And she was like, okay. So I called my buddy Ross. And I asked him, like, hey, how do I go about this process and everything? So he showed me how to um, – log into my, uh, you know, the, uh, what is it? The DWR? The account. DWR,
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: He showed me how to log into that and make sure I was all up to date and then even how to buy the tag. And, and I, a week and a half later, I had all my info put in for a tag and I was sitting on pins and needles, like, Oh shoot, this is crazy. Like I just went in for a tag. I have no idea what I'm it, but luckily, um, that same crazy guy that told me I should just put in for a tag also said that he had this podcast going. And I was like, what, this guy runs a podcast. I remember thinking that was the coolest thing ever. Cause like, I don't know. It's, it You don't really think about meeting people who do cool things and then you do. Right. <laughs> so I don't know. I was just like, I was a little starstruck to be honest. I was like, that's so cool. He runs his own Whatever, podcast. Like,
0: we work in the same <laughs> so, place.
1: Like, <laughs> yeah. so, but I just remember thinking it was pretty cool. And uh, I started listening to your episodes and realizing, like, wow, yeah, this guy's got it all laid out. Like, this is what to do if you know absolutely nothing about what to do. <laughs> for yeah. And at that so, point,
0: the, the podcast was like brand new. Like, I started it in October. So this is January, end of January, February. So I had only a handful of episodes out, but they were all, all those beginning episodes. I mean, you'll have to, if people want to go back and listen to them, they can't, but a lot of them are directed at just like, okay, you don't have anything. Here's what you do. Like use Facebook marketplace. Here's how you can get a good deal on a tent. Here's how you, what you do if you don't have a rifle, that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, no. you it was all took great.
0: action on it, and that's the difference. So, like, you did something. <laughs> so, like, most people don't don't like do it. You know, that's kind of the difference, I think, with yeah. you. You're just like, all right, well, it stopped me. I'm gonna just go do it, and then you did it.
1: No, I mean, I mean the f-
0: step one, you have to buy a tag. So, like, that, right, you, you did that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, and then I just re-listened to episode two today on my way home from work, and you said exactly in there, you were like, here, you can buy all this gear. You can buy all this gear, and I swear. After every gear you mentioned you were like but if you can't afford a tag you're wasting your money yeah (laughs) so i was like that's what i gotta do so i bought the tag and then after that i was like i mean even if i go in my blue jeans like i've got a tag or at least you know potentially i could get a tag so um but yeah listening to your your podcast helped a lot and then i remember i mean From that point on, I I think I started messaging you at work and stopping you in the hallways. And I was always asking, like, hey, so what about this? And what do I do in this situation? And, like, it was like an avalanche of information where every bit that I got led to more questions. So I just remember, like, gobbling all that up from you and also from Ross because he runs his Instagram page and YouTube channel. And he's also very informational and um i think before i really uh before you and i really i think became you know what we would call friends i was just bugging the heck out of ross like hey man i've got all these questions and so he was also very helpful in that area um and then i was out turkey hunting in, well, like marched with ross yeah, you- and you so
0: and how how good. is that going? We're like, so Ross invited you to go turkey hunting with him, and what's, are what like what was that like?
1: Oh man, it was awesome and brutal at the same time, but like, I love a good competition, and you know, there's it's it different because. You go complacent as a, as adults, right? And I have I started the year out weighing 300 pounds and, like, yeah, I can bend down and touch my toes and I can play with the kids, but not without being winded, not w- without my gut getting in the way or whatever. And that first hunt with Ross, I was dying. Like, I'm trying to make it up this hill with him and his 65-year-old dad's trekking it up there, like, you okay, son? And I'm like, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and uh it was this motivation for me to get in shape for the rest of the year and you know bigger game because i mean turkey hunt was kind of easy and we didn't get anything but i mean comparatively well i mean was getting in there looking is, back I,
0: yeah like i wouldn't call it super easy i mean right. you got to give yourself some credit like those are some steep mountains you're climbing up into um because we went again you and i and and ross we all went and i mean it's not it's not it's not an easy place to get into so but it was kind of a wake-up call is what i'm hearing you say oh yeah definitely
1: yeah yeah it was a wake-up call for sure um i mean i had an old backpack like it was an old skater high school backpack i just had lying around that's why i carried my water and snacks in and um i mean i had hiking boots from years ago that i haven't used in forever and have holes in them i was way out of shape couldn't hardly breathe by the time i made it up the mountain took me twice as long as it took ross's old man to do it um i mean there's just so many things that i was like man i really need to work on this and like the gear didn't matter the holes in my my shoes and the high school you know the The book bag didn't matter, but like me making it up the mountain, I was like, this needs to change. And so it was a, it was pretty awesome in that aspect too. Like, yeah, hunting was something I wanted to do, but it was helping me in other parts of my life.
0: Yeah, dude. I mean, like, like you were saying, the gear is kind of the thing that people want to, because you can just throw money at stuff and solve problems. You're like, Oh, I have a bad, a bad backpack or I need new boots I can just buy new stuff but if you don't have money then it's like what do you do it's like well you can get into shape for free you can yeah. you can go hunting you know w- with a buddy with no tag for free like you but the, and I think what the the lesson that is in there is like dude just because you don't have something is not an excuse just go get up there and get and do it so you were just saying right. like oh I didn't I had all this bad crappy gear or whatever but you were up there doing it like you were you were there and you hiked to the top of the mountain and you sat there and glassed and like you did it
1: oh yeah so, it, was, it was great yeah for sure i mean you know ross let me lent me some old binos of his and i i like i said it'd take me a couple hours sometimes to catch up to the group if they were like oh hey we're, we're gonna get in on that group of turkeys right there are you okay like yeah i'm fine I'll catch up to you and um, Ross is pretty nice and like his motto is like things happen for a reason and sometimes he'd even just wait with me and I felt bad but like he didn't care because he's a lot like you like he just wanted me to have a good time hunting and like experience this thing that he loves to do you know so it was a, it was an awesome experience for me to go turkey hunting with him and with you and I definitely learned a lot that I, I didn't even know and it's like one thing to listen to the podcast episodes and hear all your tips and tricks and then be in the field and actually applying them because you don't remember everything. And so when you're having a mentor or a buddy out there with you who's reminding you like, oh, hey, if you put your elbows up on your chest, that helps keep your binos more steady. Or like if you grab the rim of your, the brim of your hat, like it keeps your binos more steady on top of that like those are all those my favorite tip dude we gotta just
0: pause and like give a little (laughs) emphasis to wearing a brimmed hat grabbing your binos and pinching the brim of your hat to your binos and just stabilize it's a game changer but like yeah yeah, you're right little tips like that i
1: remember you mentioning that but like doing it in the field was eye-opening you know like oh that's why he said that and so was pretty cool like learning all these little things on my own like Oh, struggling up the mountain is extremely difficult when you're 300 pounds and not in the best shape. But if you put a piece of chewing gum in your mouth, it makes you feel like you're drinking, or like it keeps your mouth wet, and you know it doesn't. Your, your breathing isn't as labored. I feel like, and I didn't. I wouldn't have known that except for yeah. Ross's, Ross's dad dad's told me one little time tip. And,
0: That's his little yep. thing. Yeah,
1: Yeah, like he was like, hey, here, have a piece of chewing gum. So that was great.
0: Yeah, that's cool. So like, okay, so you go on that turkey hunt, and what, what are you thinking your eyes fixed on fall? So you're like, okay, this is spring turkey. This is this is what kind of – wow, this is really hard sentence to get out for
1: some reason. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like, okay,
0: so I've, I went on this turkey hunt. There are some things that I need to improve. What are you focusing on? Like what are you doing to – improve for the fall season.
1: Um my biggest my biggest vice has always been food, like overeating, eating too much, eating stuff that's not good for me. And to credit my wonderful wife, she cooks a very well-balanced dinner, but she's not there to babysit me for breakfast and lunch all the time, you know, especially when I'm at work. And that's that's when I get my snacks in, you know, and the bad things so that was one thing was just trying to watch what I eat, be more conscious of like fueling my body rather than just eating dead calories. And then um, like working out, I mean, there's a lot of little things and we could spend the whole podcast talking about it. Cause you and I've gone over and over, you know, waking up early in the morning to get that, that me time to like, you know, for physical and mental and emotional health. Right. Like that was one thing um, just working out more consciously because before I always just said, you know, I, I chase the kids around all day and I play ball with the kids or with the guys every now and then, like, I don't need to work out. Cause I'm already active. And, and I was just fine being an active 300 pounder. But then I realized hunting is a whole different animal. Like I need my lungs to be in shape. And for that, I need to, stress my body a little bit more on purpose and not not just because i'm playing a pickup game of basketball you know which i, I suck at basketball so that's not even a good excuse <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah so okay so like you you start getting into shape you lost some weight you started like do you did the the mountain ops conquer fitness challenge thing yeah. What what was that like and what was kind of your mindset going through that
1: Oh, dude, it was good. That first month, I actually didn't lose any weight at all, which can be discouraging to some, but I took it as a win because that first month I did more exercise than I've ever done in my life. And, uh, I was eating better, drinking tons more water, um, which was all a goal that I had consciously set, you know, hydrate more and all that. Um, but, uh, I did another conquer fitness recently and lost 20 pounds working out better and heck yeah. So man. it's just good and that, that 20 pounds really made a difference on my elk hunt because um I guess that's a different story. I don't know if you wanted to approach that yet but um my lungs could tell the difference like immediately.
0: Let's actually get into that. So you 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 didn't draw for a deer a deer tag, but you got you bought an over-the-counter elk tag for your yeah. loader. um how'd you feel going into that hunt and then give us a rundown of what happened on that hunt
1: um well so going into i i want to touch back on something real quick with the elk oh, yeah. tag ahead. itself just because um like you said i as a newbie to all of this you know like not drawing that deer tag i was so bummed like Man, I can't believe I didn't draw a tag. And especially, I thought I'd have that uh, beginner's luck on my side. Um, not knowing that one of the hunts my dad had actually taken me on was on my tag. <laughs> yeah, like you high had school. a tag
0: like I had over tag, 10 yeah. years ago.
1: Right. Yeah. So the beginner's luck was out. But um, I remember thinking, well, I guess my ears shot. And I don't know if it was you or Ross or both of you maybe but someone was like, "Well, why don't you get an elk tag instead?" and that like the excitement at that aspect was like, "What? I can get an elk tag especially over the counter?" And uh I remember being at work with you and getting on the computers and waiting in that forever long wait in line. Yeah, it was a crazy get the year. Tag. It was insane. Like
0: 400,000 people in line and even though that wasn't a real number. Something was wrong with their system anyway.
1: Right. But so yeah, getting that tag was amazing. Just like everything was like amazing for me because this is all probably boring stuff for you, but I was like, I got a note tag. I got a note tag. Yeah, no, it's uh, way exciting. Getting into it. Like, I mean, my wife was excited for me and um, she, uh, I mean, she had my bags packed for me like she was like yay go hunting
0: <laughs> cool so, and so and then you and then you go out on that hunt and uh how'd it go
1: dude it was rough man um it was a it was a good learning experience for sure and i definitely did enjoy a bit of nature and just aloneness but i also realized that um it's tough being alone that long like yeah, and You
0: ended up going alone because you were going to go with a buddy and I couldn't go with you. And then your buddy kind of bailed. Yeah. So no, he, not
1: kind of bailed. He bailed, bailed. Yeah. I didn't want to throw him <laughs> under the bus too bad, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much bailed a hundred percent bailed.
0: And, uh, and then you still went anyway. You're like, I'm going to go anyway. And you went up yeah. on basically your first hunt, since you know you had gone with your dad like a decade ago right alone on an elk tag an elk muzzleloader general season tag alone
1: yeah i'm like, sure you've got some listeners right now just shaking their heads yeah. <laughs> like this guy's crazy um first hunt elk and muzzleloader yeah I think it's
0: inspiring is what I think it is <laughs> because not very many people would do it. People would back out and everyone would understand too, but you did it anyway and you went out and well, just, I mean,
1: just tell yeah, us the story. Like the reason why I, I mean, I got the elk tag cause that's what was available to me and elk is delicious. Let's, let's put that out there. Um, but, uh, why muzzle loader? Well, I was talking to you and a couple of different guys, and like, hey, should I do rifle or muzzle loader? I don't have a bow, and you know, bows aren't as easy to borrow, they're sighted and or, you know, draw length is to the person, right? Um, but uh, all I kept hearing was rifle is super packed, there's tons of hunters. Um, muzzle loader, you got to get closer, muzzle loaders aren't as good as modern rifles. But there's a lot less people, and um, all of that to me was like, oh, so if I just embrace a little bit more suck, I can increase my chances as a new hunter at getting in on an animal. That's like that was my mindset. Yeah. And so
0: and it's a toss up. Like the rifle general season over the counter elk tag for rifle in Utah is like, it is a really really tough hunt and. I have never been on the muzzleloader hunt, but I just know from experience being out there that there's tend to be a lot fewer people and the elk are just like a a little bit calmer and not so frantic and not so pressured. And so both of them are really tough hunts, but I I feel like the muzzleloader gives you a slight edge over the rifle if you have a muzzleloader and you did have access to a muzzleloader. So
1: I did. Yeah. Um, and it, it's funny the guy that actually bailed on me he was the one that said oh you know the muzzle order has a lot less people because it's cold so everybody wants to go home and i said oh well i don't mind a little cold especially if it means everybody goes home so yeah. <laughs> uh got ready for this elk hunt you know got some warm gear got got my food and everything um i had acquired uh because you know this is o- late october now so I've had since February to slowly acquire some gear, got, got myself a backpack and, you know, some other things. And I went out on this elk hunt and, uh, it was tough. Like, uh, mentally and physically, even emotionally, like I didn't anticipate, um, being out there and not having someone to bounce ideas off of, you know, like you reach a point and you're like, Oh, should we, you know, cause this was all the, like, this was my experience hunting with, with you and Ross and other times with Ross, with the turkey hunt where was like you hit a, a glassing point and you'd glass and glass and you'd talk about it. Like, Hey, we should try this rig or we should get in on those di- turkey right there. Or, if you go this way and I go that way, you know, you talk about things. Mm-hmm. You have someone to say, Hey, let's take a break and have a snack before you do. So you don't have to be the guy that wants to take a break first,
0: <laughs> right? Like
1: <laughs> there's all these things. And then I'm out up in the elk woods by myself and it is treacherous. I mean, a thousand times harder than the Turkey Hills. Yeah. They're just You're steep, like... rugged terrain. and Yeah.
0: You're at really high elevation, really thick vegetation, Yep. And you're alone. And there is something to be said about the alone factor. If you've never done it before, it's like you're it is a weird thing. You're like, okay, well what next? And you just like kind of look around, you're like, Well, I'm the only one here that gets to decide. And like I am the only one who like if anything happens, it's because I decided or I didn't decide. You know, it's like a hundred, it's a weird feeling, especially when you're just isolated like that. There's something Mm -hmm. to be said about being alone in a room where there's buildings, you know, you have neighbors and you're in the city or something and being alone. And you know that if you yell out, nobody will hear you.
1: Oh, for miles and miles. Yeah. Yeah. It's really weird. It definitely is. And, you know, like you said, there's a big difference. Like I'm in my basement right now and it's fairly quiet like I don't hear another sound other than I don't know if you can tell my baby's crawling around on the floor, (laughs) but, uh, you know, and then you get out into those woods and the silence is deafening. It's crazy. Yeah. So, um, that that had a a huge part in my, um, elk hunting experience for sure. Um, I'm not going to lie though. Like the weekend before I left, uh, that video of the cougar chasing that hiker
0: oh yeah (laughs) hit
1: the internet and man it had me on edge like i was paranoid the whole time and um my dad used to tell me as a kid like yeah if you've got a cougar stalking you you won't notice till it's on your back yeah
0: there's (laughs) some truth to that so (laughs)
1: um yeah i was like it it is the woods were beautiful i mean being out there in that crisp clean air and like i remember finding my first elk sign found some scat and i just jumped for joy i was like yeah i'm in the elk woods and i just found elk poop like that's awesome yeah and uh first time i found tracks too same thing i was excited i was stoked took pictures my wife was like you took pictures of poop and i'm like you wouldn't understand like (laughs)
0: like i'm a i'm a mighty hunter yeah. This is part away. of it. Like, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, yeah. Uh, oh, uh, another thing uh, like looking at maps and on X and stuff is all new to me too. And uh, I tried to take in as much information as I could about like, you know, when you're looking at the maps this way or that way, this is what you're seeing versus what, it actually looks like, you know, Um, but experiencing that firsthand was also a trip because I had planned out my route in this one area that I decided to check out. And uh, what I thought would be a clearing that I could cut across on my way to this potential glassing spot um, was a boulder field. And I mean, boulders, the size of, like small cars like they're huge yeah i've been and, there before uh, yeah traversing that was
0: you misread the map and you think it's like like a grassy hill or something and yeah if you zoom in real close you realize it's a boulder field and you're like oh dang it <laughs> throws a wrench yeah well
1: and i just i was like well i don't know what to do so i guess i'll just keep going through i'll keep following my plans so i had you know so i crossed this boulder field and it it wasn't terribly hard. It was just very time consuming. And um, like I said, my body noticed the 20 pound difference. Like I felt fine, but uh, you know, it took some time off of my day. And uh, anyway, just keep going through the woods. I actually got lost on my way to this um, spot I was headed towards. And uh, it was, um, it was, Kind of scary, <laughs> like being lost out there by myself and not really knowing what to do. And I had on X, and I did have your—you let me borrow your Garmin, um, so that was that was helpful. Um, you know, I didn't want to have to use it, and like trying to orient myself was a little weird. Like I kept like I'd walk a little bit and I'd check on X, and I walk a little bit and I check on X, and every time I looked up, I was getting further and further away from my target destination. Um, so that threw me for a loop for sure but um, yeah so you didn't like fully
0: uh, understand how the compass feature worked on onyx
1: i yeah i didn't i didn't even know i didn't even know it was a feature yeah like i didn't have the compass on i I was just looking at the map and following my dot.
0: (laughs) yeah like i kind of take responsibility for that to be honest because you told me about this later and i was like Yeah, that's like kind of my fault because I had been giving you tons of tips on Onyx and we're scouting together and I was like dropping waypoints and stuff. But the only time you ever need the compass feature is when you're in the field. And so for people who don't know, there's a a little compass on the screen. And if you tap it, it switches between two views. The view that always has north as up on your screen. And then there's a view where it points whichever direction you're holding your phone is the way that it points your arrow on the map. And yeah. so you can orient your map, your phone and point your phone in the direction that you want to go. And then that will show you which direction you're facing. And right. it, ha- it has some glitches and stuff, but that's essentially how it works. And most of the time it's correct. But yeah, like I kind of feel like that's my fault because I'd never fully explained <laughs> it to you, but then you, no, you did too. figure that out though. Right.
1: Yeah. No, I, like I said, I, I, got lost I had this kind of moment of um it's just this moment of wow I am so small in this world and so I just kind of took a quiet moment to myself said a little prayer and just like calmed down a little bit and when I opened the app again like I just found the feature and I was fine I was like oh okay well now I know which way I'm going and um headed back to the direction I wanted to go and found that spot pretty fast after that um which was really cool actually I was headed towards this pond that I thought oh you know it's been kind of a dry year maybe the elk will be hanging out around this pond getting some water and nutrients you know and uh reached this um clearing with this pond (laughs) and I decided well I'm in a glass and see what I can see before I really step out and don't want to spook anything. So I started glassing the meadow all around and the entire clearing I glassed the pond itself. I didn't see anything. Uh, I wasn't too discouraged though. I thought, you know, it's a good place to have lunch. I'll just sit down. I'll just sit down against this tree and maybe I'll see something while I'm eating, you know? And when I had glassed the pond, the first time I got there, I had seen these kind of white boulders out in the middle of the pond. I didn't think anything of it because there's boulders everywhere here. I mean, (laughs) of all different shapes, sizes, and colors too. Like I'd seen some black ones, brown ones, like fluorescent green ones. So yeah, white rocks, no big deal. I sit sit down and tear it into this jerky and I decide, well, I'm going to glass a little bit more while I'm uh, eating. And I look back out over the pond and these rocks are moving. <laughs> and I'm like, what is this? And uh, I noticed that the, what I had thought were boulders were actually mountain goats and there was 10 of them. It was incredible. I mean, like going from having a rough morning to seeing mountain goats in the wild, that was amazing. And I mean, I'd never seen them in the wild before. So that was a plus. That was great.
0: That's awesome. Cool.
1: I got to see some mountain goats, um, had my lunch and, and then got lost a couple more times. (laughs) Uh, But, um, Oh, I didn't see any, uh, any elk found. I found some more sign. I found a dried up wallow, but, uh, um, didn't see any elk, which is, is all right. Like I had told myself, you know, this is the likelihood of not seeing elk is higher than seeing them. And I, I prepared for that, but it's still kind of a bummer, you know?
0: Yeah. You like get you get out there, you have a goal to go see elk and you're not seeing them. It's, it can get pretty discouraging. Right. So that first day you don't see any elk. And then uh, what happened? What happened next?
1: Decided I was going to head back to camp and just kind of gather my bearings and see about uh, making a new new uh, new game plan for myself. Um, decided to go back to camp, and when I got there, uh, I, I I honestly I, I'm not I'm not going to lie about this. Like I don't feel any shame in it, but I kind of had a mental breakdown. Um, it, it just really is, I, it was hard being out there by yourself and I just didn't realize how hard it would be. Like Ross mentioned in the last episode he was in that, uh, you know, getting ready for hunting isn't just preparing yourself physically. It's preparing yourself mentally. And I, that wasn't something that I had anticipated being as much of a struggle as it was.
0: Yeah. And being alone really exposes that and intensifies it too. the need for mental toughness. It's a, it's a real thing.
1: It, It definitely is. And I mean, I, I wasn't, I, I felt fine physically for the most part other than like just normal exhaustion. Um, but, uh, and I wasn't I wasn't ready to give up like completely. You know, I wasn't saying, man, forget this, I'm going home and I'm never doing this again. But um I, I was done for the time being. So I decided I'm gonna go home and uh gather myself and pick back up again because I, I don't wanna give up on this. Um, dream to get into hunting and be a successful hunter, and uh, so I decided I'm not gonna bite off too much more than I can chew. I'm just gonna do this again tomorrow instead. So I did that, and uh, I uh, got home, and Ross messaged me, and he was like, "Hey, how's it going? And how's the hunt?" And I kind of told him about it, and he uh, took pity on me bless his heart and said well why don't I go out with you <laughs> so so we went up the next couple of days he and I and um it was a good experience I found my first elk shed um it's a pretty which nice is shed. awesome yeah it, was, yeah it was a five point that was good it was a it was a good good pick me up still didn't see any elk but it was great um saw lots of moose which yeah. was fun um, but this whole time, like I said, like, was a, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, yeah, like, it was a great learning experience. That, like, there's a lot that I need to work on physically, mentally, um, for next year because I'm not giving up. It's just the uh, Elkwoods beat me this year,
0: yeah. And that's basically what I was gonna say, too, is just like. You you may not be seeing elk or hearing elk or getting into fresh sign or anything, but you're learning valuable lessons in other aspects that are going to benefit you down the line. Right. And I I don't really expect any new hunter to just go in and on opening morning kill something giant by themselves like when they've never had any real experience in the woods. And so it's like, yeah, you're not quote unquote like being a successful hunter but like, what does that Dang. even mean? And for you, that was like, I gained all this knowledge. I got out, look at me. I'm out here hunting. I've got a rifle or I've got a, a, a weapon in my hands. I have a tag in my pocket and my boots are on the ground. So it's like, I'm here, I'm doing it. This is, this is real. And you're yeah, gaining sure. experience every single day you're out there, even if you're not being quote unquote successful.
1: Well, and actually, um, one thing that I took with me into the field was, something you mentioned in one of your earlier podcasts about um, setting realistic expectations, you know, like I didn't, of course I had those hopes and dreams of seeing an elk and shooting a good animal and bringing home that delicious meat. But, you know, I I set bars for myself and when I hit that bar, I moved on to the next one, you know, and the first one for me was getting out there. I went out there and I I was there in that check that first mile marker accomplished and then you know i'm gonna enjoy myself out here i'm gonna see some wildlife any kind of wildlife i saw plenty of animals i saw a black squirrel never seen one of those saw this weird ugly looking gerbil thing saw some beautiful Yeah, yep. pika. Is that what they're called? Yeah, those little. Pica.
0: They like live in the in the boulders in the, yeah, in the high yeah, country, yeah. and yeah. they make this really loud chirp sound. They look like little fat mice, but they're kind of bigger. They're like yeah, a round rat.
1: Right. Yeah. Yep. Just. <laughs> yeah. One of the ugliest things I've ever seen, but I, know, I, saw those. I saw the mountain goats. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Saw some. Uh, I saw a couple of hawks, which is. I mean, I love seeing hawks. They're sweet, cool, yeah. cool animals. But so, yeah. you know, like I was reaching these these small milestones for myself. Like I, I paced myself so that I didn't get like drained physically in a bad way. You know, like um, I kept myself hydrated and all that. Like I, I was really trying my best to um, enjoy the experience and, and not just be let down by the fact that I'm not saying elk I'm not getting a chance to shoot one or any of that. Like I was there for all of it, not just to bring home an elk.
0: Yeah. And so sure. in that
1: aspect, I had a great hunt. I just, I learned a lot of things along the way about how I can improve myself. So yeah, I don't know if that sounds all goopy or not, but like, that's, that's, that's all I can say about it is because yeah. it's true. Like for me at least. So
0: yeah. It's like type one fun and type two fun. There's like type one fun is like a party or like going on a roller coaster, you know, type two fun is like, yeah, this is really hard, but it's like kind of cool to do something legit and fun. And it's not fun while you're doing it, but afterwards you're always like, man, I can't wait till next year. That's the kind of type two fun. I don't know if that's like a thing or not, but yeah that's like type two fun
1: it it makes sense to me like it's it's not um it's not winning the the cruise vacation it's appreciating it because of all the hard work that got you there
0: yeah and then there's and like i think a lot of people might be listening to this and being like so you went hunting and didn't see any elk that sounds like me every year it's like yep that's what hunting is it's just like walking around (laughs) in the woods with a weapon right right. yeah like what am i complaining for (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's like well, I th- it's it's really common, and so you you really do need to manage those expectations. And the episode I talked about that was episode thirty. I was talking about my first turkey hunt because I've like similar to you, like you'd never been on an elk hunt, I had never been on a turkey hunt, and so I was managing those expectations, not fully expecting to shoot a turkey with my bow, my very first archery. Well, it was my second archery season, and never hunted turkeys before. So, like, people want to go listen to that like pep talk. It's episode thirty, but then like, then you had a type one fun hunt with me I and did. Bryce, and we kind of touched on it <laughs> in uh, episode was that forty three or forty four with Bryce, but uh, and we left out purposely your story, so like, now this hunt was just totally different than your elk hunt, so like, tell us your thoughts and tell us the story about your your deer hunt with me and Bryce.
1: I mean, it was great because, like I said, I had someone to uh, bounce ideas off of, someone to say, "Hey, let's take a stop, <laughs> let's let's break and have some snacks or something," you know. Like, um, that just it totally changes it. Um, I, like, I definitely want to try solo hunting again in the future, but um, yeah, being out there with someone who knows what they're doing was definitely. a a huge game changer like uh because i was able to rely on your instincts as a seasoned hunter which helped a lot but also um just like the little tips and tricks that you had um were very valuable
0: yeah and we had action like immediately oh yeah
1: like (laughs) unexpectedly i didn't even so let me just backtrack before you tell that bit of the story Uh, hunting for me up to this point had been you sit and you glass and you see nothing so then you move on and you glass some more and you maybe see something and you try to get closer and you glass again and that something is gone (laughs) like there's just the whole like uh you hike in and you sweat and you work hard and then you might see something and you and i got to our area we hop out of the truck and we barely crest the first hill, and you're like, "Dude, hit the ground, hit the ground!" And I'm like, <laughs> "What? Like right yeah. now?" You're like, "Yeah, get your backpack off!" And I'm yeah. like, I was like Are "Dude, you... there's a
0: doe!" Yeah, I'm like, dude, there's I... a doe right there. I'm like, "Get out, get down!" Get I literally, it was like, "Get down, get ready!" And, and you were looked
1: like, "Looked at you." I, was like, I think your exact seriously? words were,
0: are you serious? Yeah. Or, yeah I was seriously? like, are you serious? Yeah.
1: you're like, yeah, <laughs> dude, like, right yeah, now. Yeah, like, get down. And take I'm the like, safety oh, off. Oh, <laughs> shoot. Okay. So I remember uh, crouching down and we were right across this, like, dugout um, ditch from, like, four-wheelers and trucks yeah, it and was things. Like a, yeah, it was like an old road. Yeah, like a really old road. And I throw myself down. And you were just on the left of me and you're like, see those two deer right there. And I'm like, oh yeah. I see them. Yeah, I just didn't like a... know we'd be getting into them this soon. Yeah. So I throw the rifle up and I'm trying to look and get them in my sights. And, uh, but they're kind of bounding off. I don't think they'd seen us quite yet, but like they were on the move. And they definitely uh, saw
0: me cause I like they... went over that first hill and I was like doing kind of what Bryce described. It, it was like, when you're in that open country, you kind of take a step. And then as the hill that you're standing on gets lower, as you're about to crest the hill, it exposes more hill on the hill beyond. And so every right. time you take a step, there's like a new strip of land that you're able to see. And I was doing that as we stepped up and I see a deer, you know, less than 200 yards away. Yeah. For and, sure. and so I'm like, crap. And, but she saw me cause we are like skylined. And so she saw me, it was a doe and a fawn she sees me i tell you to get down but she had already seen me and so we're like crouching up you we crawl up and I, and then we don't have a shooting lane because we're like yeah now we now we're below the hill so we had to like crawl up and then by that time they had already like kind of seen us and they were running away but i knew that they'd stop and we'd get another shot but like well we and they did get, stop
1: yeah and i don't know if, i don't know if i told you this but i they did stop and i was looking at them through the scope but i couldn't quite get the crosshairs on him because they stepped just behind uh a rock and they weren't physically behind the rock but in my there line of sight they were behind, yeah yeah there was a rock between us and i tried to scooch over to the left but you were you were kneeling there like they're they're this far away you're looking through your rangefinder like
0: giving you ranges i'm like yeah it's like 186 or whatever yeah yeah
1: And you're like, just put it right on and you'll get it. And I was like, okay, but I need you to scoot over.
0: Yeah, You're still wearing your backpack at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like laying on the ground and it was just like, it was kind of a a mess.
1: Yeah, it totally was. But I mean, it was a great learning experience because I remember standing up from that and you were like, don't worry about it. This is great. And I'm like, really? Like, you're like, yeah, no, no. Because now you know, this is how fast things happen. Like, you just need to be ready. I was like oh, yeah you're not kidding like yeah I'm like no, I no it's gonna idea. happen
0: it's gonna happen super fast <laughs>
1: right yeah.
0: that's the great thing about using a rifle is it just like if you see one and it's right there like you can shoot it you don't have to like plan this elaborate stock and take right. hours and wait for them to bed and all this anyway so yeah like I didn't fully prepare you for the pace that it would happen if it did happen yeah and uh and then I also didn't kind of, I didn't really explain to you that using your pack as a rest for your rifle is like the number one way to get a shot in this open country. Cause there's nothing to lean against. Like you're not going to be able to get fully prone cause there's sagebrush, So it's right. like, and then I was like, okay, that's good. We learned this lesson. First thing you do when you see one like that, take your pack off and throw it on the ground in front of you. And that'll yeah. be your rest. And um, I think that's a, the number one rest you're going to get in that kind of terrain that we were in so anyway we we see that that happens we learned some valuable lessons but luckily it's like seven o'clock in the morning and we've got all day right (laughs) to hunt and we're just barely into that area like we're 200 yards from the truck Yep. so yeah
1: well so i mean so we uh picked up everything and i also remember i started that hike with my gloves on and after that you know things are happening right now moment. I realized I don't have time to be ripping my gloves off. I just need to not wear them. And uh, so I stuffed those in my backpack and then we kind of still hunted through the hillside as we were getting deeper into the area that we were going into. And I remember you telling me, you know, your cool little nicknames for places like Porcupine Cove. And, uh, you know, we passed where you shot your first deer there which is pretty cool and um and then we got to this spot and you're kind of just like well it seems like a good spot to sit down and maybe just glass and because we could see the whole valley from where we we're sitting and um and now i'm like all right yeah sit in glass like that's what i'm used to yeah exactly. <laughs> as a, this is hunting <laughs> as a new hunter <laughs> my limited experience like this is what i'm used to So we sit down the glass and uh, it was pretty cool. We saw some deer like 800 yards off and um, saw a pretty cool little buck. And uh, again, I'm just learning from the master here because I'm sitting there and you're like, yeah, you can tell that guy's a young man because he's just standing there sniffing the air instead of, you know, taking cover, which I thought was interesting because he was fully skylined like eye, just standing on top of just,
0: a of like a nipple on top of this little like, yeah. overlook, looking at the whole world like Mufasa in The Lion King, looking over yeah. his kingdom. And I'm like, dude, you're 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 an animal of prey. You're, <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> you target. You need to find some cover. Yeah, it was just like this young buck doing a young buck things. But yeah, so then like we we glass for a little bit, didn't see anything, and then we go down to this little another little knoll where there's this ravine at the bottom that I know that there's always deer in that ravine during this time of day, you know, like late morning. And, uh, well, I'll let you take it from there.
1: Well, yeah, we, um, picked up our stuff and yeah, you, you had said, yeah, let's head down towards this, this area here. And another thing that, uh, you'd kind of pointed out was like, we're sitting on this side of this hill looking down and it looks like we can see everything. But the second we started heading down, um, you realize that there's a lot more ups and downs all the way down this mountain. Right. And and you can't see behind every little hill. Um, so that was an eye opener for me. And we get down to the bottom of this one little hill. And <laughs> you kind of turn back to me. And I like I still don't know it like how serious you were or not. Cause like, I took it as a joke, but you looked at me and you said, all right, well, we're going to crest this hill and shoot the doe that's on the other side. And then we'll come back for mine. And I was just like, okay, sounds good, man. Like how's <laughs> all, yeah, cause like all, the was plan was fill your, mistake, fill,
0: like, yeah, fill your tag. And then on the way back on the pack out, we'll fill my tag.
1: Right. Cause and, we only uh, took the one rifle. Cause, cause you were like, no man, I want you to just, we'll only take my rifle you'll have it first. I just want you to get your deer and it doesn't matter if I don't get mine, but if I have a chance, I'll take it. And I was like, okay, cool. So we only had the one rifle and you're like, yeah, we'll just go over this hill and shoot the doe that's there. And like, I think you probably chuckled after, but I was like, heck yeah, we're going to shoot that doe (laughs) that's right there. And uh, you stopped to um, check your wind checker or something. I don't know what you stopped to check for, but kind of went on a little bit ahead of you and uh i was I, I was sort of doing that thing that bryce talks about where you stop in glass and stop in the glass i just didn't know that's th- what i was doing i was just trying to be quiet you know
0: yeah like slow and, and
1: right right and i remember i my head just peeked over the the hill and i i saw three doe immediately and i was like yeah, Skyler, there's three deer right there and i was so excited but <laughs> i'd seen these deer and you're like what really and so like you kind of shuffled on up as fast as you could but quietly too and uh you threw your binos up and you're like dude i don't see any
0: like i like, don't see anything you're like yeah you're like, like, how far <laughs> are like, how far? And you're like, they're right there. And I'm like, oh okay, goodness. if they were right there, I right. would be able to see them. And then you're like, yeah. take two steps and you'll be able to see them. And then I take two steps and they're right there. Right. I'm like, oh shoot. Yeah, they're like 200 yeah. yards.
1: Yeah, no, I think it was like 270 though. Oh, was it? I, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. was, yeah, yeah. Right. it was like 270. Yeah, it was like but, 270. But you walked up, you took those two steps, you saw them and you're like, dude, take your backpack off right now. So I remember yeah. whipping my backpack off and I threw yeah. it down in front of me, and I was like, What now? And you're like, Well, crawl forward, like, get on top of the hill with your backpack, yeah, and uh, get ready to shoot. And I was like, Okay, yeah. so I'm crawling up this hill with my backpack, and uh, I mean, yeah, and
0: I, I, it was like it, it's weird in those situations because like you can see them, but the only way you'd be able to shoot them is if you like take five steps forward and then you're standing. So the only way to get a clean shot at them is to drop down where you are, crawl right. up to the top of the hill so that they don't see you walk up and over. Yeah, exactly. And then, so you're like snipering them, you know, like getting in a sniper position right. where you're like, and I was like, okay, take your backpack, put it in front of you, crawl up to your backpack and then move it up again. And then like yeah. you have your rifle like kind of cradled under your arm a little bit. And you, like, move the backpack, crawl, move the backpack, crawl. Right. And I was, like, explaining this to you. I'm, like, this is how you do it. And I, I think those little things like that is just things that you don't think about unless you've done them before. Right. And so, like, it's it's a huge benefit. I mean, if I do say more say so myself. <laughs> it's, like, it's a huge benefit having somebody there to tell you what to do if you've never done oh, it,
1: it before. It, it definitely was. And, I mean, that's something that you don't even think about as – I mean, like you with your podcast, that's not something you thought to mention in your podcast because it's just something you have to be experiencing. You know, like, right. it's, so anyway, yeah, you were telling me how to crawl up there. So I did and they got the rifle up and I'm looking at them and you start ranging them for me and you're like, oh, 270. And I was like, I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if I can make that shot. Like I I felt confident in my shooting abilities but um yeah it was just like i just don't i don't know if i can make that shot and i want to make a good ethical shot and uh but before we even had this conversation um you're like oh yeah 270 but i think if you just if you just use that bottom you know the next notch down was 200 and then the one between right yeah was like 250 and so you're telling me how to use like you were reminding me really, because we had practiced, you're reminding me the different um, how, how to use the scope and to get on target, but uh, yeah. before we I even like, had that conversation, the deer hopped on, hopped on down over the hill. Yeah, so, so
0: it, it was like it was kind of the <laughs> the very far range of what we had talked about. I was like, I was like, we should really be under 250. Like right. I really want it to be under two fifty because that's where like I had I showed you on the reticle what it looked like. I'm like this is yeah, two fifty yeah, right, right here. And um it was like two seventy. And so I'm like, okay, it's like remember what we talked about, but you just hold like an inch high. Yeah. Like you can basically hold as if you're shooting at two fifty. And so I was like, dude, you can do that. I was confident in your abilities because we went to the shooting range and I saw your groups and I was like, dude, this kid can shoot. Holy crap. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah, like you're a really good shot with a rifle. And so I knew that if you knew where to hold, you'd hit it. And so I was totally cool with you taking a 270, but if you weren't comfortable with it, I wasn't going to force you to push it, you know. And then the deer made the decision for us and it jumped down into the ravine. And then I was well, like, which,
1: dude, we got to go. <laughs> right. Well, because I thought, I was like, oh, man, they're gone. But um, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, dang, they hopped over the hill. And you're looking at me like, no, oh, man, this is perfect. And I'm like, what? What do you mean it's perfect? And you're like, they're over the hill. Let's book it. We're running. Yeah. We're like, like, first, we oh, double check okay. to make sure
0: that there were no other deer because we saw the three. We're like, okay, one, yeah, two, three. Yeah. They all went down. And then we take a few steps forward. We'd look around and we're like, okay, they were right here. If there were any others, they're going to be behind and around this, this knob so we can run now. And I was like, okay, it's go time. And right. I was just like, boom, I'm like, let's get down there and up the next little hill and we'll be able to see them.
1: Yeah. And so, um, we did and that was one of the coolest parts for me was, uh, you know, we checked our wind. It was, we had this perfect crosswind, um, but, just between us and deer and like running there was really exciting for me. Cause I'm like, this is happening. Like we saw these deer, we're running towards them right now. They don't even know we're here. Like it was all so exciting. And we closed probably 200 yards and we get down to this one, like the last knob before the actual ravine. And I remember standing there with you and we're kind of like, I'm like, dude, what do we do? Like, should we go around this knob and, like, enter the ravine? Or, like, do we set up on this little tiny hill right here? And you were like, no, no, like, just wait. Like, I have this gut feeling that they're literally just yeah. right behind,
0: Yeah, the, like, inside are inside you... this
1: ravine, behind the cliff that we're looking at directly. And I'm like, what kind of weird... Like, that's a very specific feeling, but yeah, okay. No, like, okay like. There's just been
0: so many times where, like, the, where you see the deer go to, to a place, and then you, there's a time lapse where you don't see them, and then you get to a point where you think that you should be able to see them, and you're like, oh, man, they're gone. But, like, I swear, nine times out of ten, they're right where you think they are. And if you yeah. get lazy and you walk over, because it's a pretty steep ravine, and they had jumped right. down into the ravine. And it, it's like pretty steep. So in order to see down to the bottom of the review, you're basically on top of them. Like right. Under fifty yards. Yeah. And so it, I, I just was like, okay, I have a feeling they're right there, like within a hundred yards of us. And on the other side of this ravine, I'm like, let's get down and let's get ready because if they do come out, they're gonna come out right there at a hundred yards.
1: Yeah. So yeah. And so I that's mean, what we did. Right. We set up right on that hill and you were like, let's just, just be patient, just hold it out a little bit because I have a feeling they're just going to pop up right there. And I got my pack down, I got settled in, had the rifle up, and sure enough, it felt like no time had passed at all, and then we were looking at a deer. It just like popped up just t- yeah. just barely above the line of sight of the ravine from what we could see, and...
0: And that deer uh, was just calmly feeding yeah, up it, right it where it we were chilling, aiming.
1: <laughs> right. The wind was still perfect. It didn't know we were there. Um, which was so exciting for me too. Like this the closest I'd been to an animal I was hunting. Yeah. And, and then, uh, then that
0: deer comes up and I'm like, sweet dude. I'm like, this yeah. is perfect. And I range it, it's one oh eight. And I'm like, yeah. okay, one oh eight, dude. <laughs> yeah. Like it's money.
1: Dude, I remember saying I remember you saying one oh eight, man. You were born for this shot. Like, just get Didn't ready. See that. <laughs> you did. Like, we said a lot of weird things because of the, just the heat of the moment. But yeah, you were like, you were born for this shot, man. And I'm thinking, yeah. I mean, I know I'm pretty good at 100 yards, but well, yeah. I, that's I'm my favorite thing, though, scope, is like
0: though. when when you have when you're when they're at the perfect range that your rifle is is sighted in for. Yeah. Because my rifle sighted in at 100, the crosshairs are at 100. There's no guesswork. It's just like, hold dead on, put that crosshair right, right where you want it. And that's where it's going to hit. And so I'm like, yeah, you were born for this. Yeah, <laughs> I don't remember were, saying that, but you did. You were like, that, no, you, like, you, were, like, like you were born for
1: this, <laughs> just hold dead on. And I was like, okay, but I'm looking through the the scope. And I'm like, there's grass in the scope. Does that matter? And I remember thinking it probably doesn't matter, but I'm going to ask the veteran see what he says. And you were like, don't shoot, don't shoot. And I'm like, what? It's just grass. Like, there's just a little uh, bit of grass. And you're like, like,
0: no, don't shoot. I was pretty hesitant. I was like, um... Because I'm, like, kind of kneeling above you. Yeah. And I'm looking at the the whole picture. And what I was... I I couldn't see through your scope, obviously. And I could tell from the angle of your rifle, you're kind of angling down slightly. And... There's the hill was right there. Like you're only a few inches off the ground with your backpack. You're kind of shooting downhill and you're like, I can see grass in my scope. And my thought was it's probably fine, but there is a chance that you see grass in your scope and the dirt is right at your barrel because your scope is a few inches above your barrel. So that was my thinking. And then I also was thinking about the episode that I did with my uncle Darren, episode 41 where he talked about my grandpa who was shooting at these giant bucks and he took the time to break mm-hmm. the twigs in front of him. And yeah. I, that thought went through my head and I was like, um, this is the moment that, that uncle Darren was talking about where you need to take the time to get the perfect shot. If you get yourself ready, and he says, usually you have the time. And so I was thinking yeah. about this. I'm like the deer are calm. They're just feeding. They're not going anywhere. They don't know we're here. Let's take the time. And so I was like, okay, let's just don't shoot yet here. Take my backpack. And we stacked both of our backpacks. And then I was like, okay, we should be good now. Cause that just gives you another eight inches of clearance or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, okay, now we're golden. And now we just wait for a broadside shot.
1: No. Yeah. And it helped like getting that pack up. Didn't just clear the grass for me. It felt way more comfortable because of the angle that we were pointing at, like just the way we were laying. So, um, yeah, I, I'm glad that we made that decision too. But yeah, I was like, I, I can't see. There's like grass. So you gave me the pack. And you're like, how about now? And I'm like, yeah, everything's clear. And this whole time, um, now now I'm looking through the scope, like it's game time, and you're you're like calling off ranges to me. Yeah. Like <laughs> we were both so excited, but you were like, All right, it moved up the hill a little bit, but it's okay. One thirty, you got this. And then it would turn. And like it'd give me it'd show me its butt. And then, and then I'd be like, Don't shoot, don't shoot. Yeah, don't shoot. Like, okay, yeah.
0: the first one. And then I'd be like, Oh, the third one. The third one's broadside. Go ahead. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and then because, you're like, like, Oh
1: wait, wait, the fourth one's broadside. And then and you and then you'd say like, Oh shoot. No, that one's a fawn. Don't don't I'm shoot like, don't that shoot one. Don't shoot the fawn. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, shoot the doe. Yeah, like it, it was biggest. legal to shoot a fawn, right. but
0: I mean there were at least two does in the group. And there the, somewhere along the line they had picked up another one there were four and i'm pretty sure there were two does and two two fawns and uh one of them was like a lot bigger than the others too but it was like just shoot a doe don't shoot a fawn and the first one that came out was a fawn and i was like um i think that's a fawn don't shoot that one and uh anyway yeah so i'm like telling you all these ranges i'm like trying to be a good mentor but also at the same time like just shoot the dang thing
1: (laughs) right right well because you said same too you're like Wait for it to get broadside. Yeah. Wait for it to stop moving. Yeah. Wait for it to get broadside. Wait for it to stop moving. And yeah. I mean, like it, all the little things you were saying were were helpful. But like I, I've listened to, I mean, since you introduced me to your podcast, like Meat Eater and Remy Warren and everybody, and and like I I'm just a generally nice guy, and I feel like you know making an ethical shot that just like sits well with me as a person, and like that's what I wanted to do. So like I already had that ingrained in me. I'm like, I'm not going to shoot it unless I get a clean shot. And, um, I think somewhere was just
0: like, I know sometimes new hunter, like I know what the buck fever feels like. I know what it's like to be on your first one and everything you've trained for and thought about just kind of goes out the window sometimes. And so I'm like, I'm just going to cover my bases and just, tell him stuff he already knows wait for a broadside shot wait for it to stop moving don't shoot that yeah. one it's not broadside you know like i just right had it in my head i'm like i just need to cover my bases and tell him because i knew i'd hold myself personally responsible if you like shot one in the butt or something
1: <laughs> for sure well and, and like i said it was it was all helpful but i think somewhere along the lines too you also realized i need to stop Telling him to bounce back and forth between the Yeah, that was, a, that was a bad idea. <laughs> so, so you eventually just started giving me ranges for the just the one big one. And I, I don't know. You know I, can't, I can't say that I didn't have buck fever because maybe just because it was a doe? Like, I don't know. maybe yeah, doe fever. Like it, it didn't have like a huge, you know, rack or something. But like, I didn't feel buck fever. I felt I like awkwardly calm for my first animal and, and like, I'm not trying to boast or anything. I just, I felt strangely calm. Right. Um, aside from like the, the excitement of like, Hey, this is happening. Um, but uh, yeah, you just kept giving me those, those little tips. just like, wait for it to be broadside, wait for it to stop. And I had my finger just like resting against the, the trigger, but not like curl on it. And um, Bryce put into words perfectly what happened in the last episode with him because he said everything just kicked into gear and he felt his finger curl around that trigger and like he didn't realize it was happening till this, till the shot went off right and that was exactly my experience like I you kept you were still giving me the ranges you were you were like okay 150 160 180 it was getting them further and further away. And you're like, I could hear the desperation in your voice too. You're like, just take the shot.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: But I was well, waiting and for it to... the other
0: thing that I was worried about is they're kind of going toward the boundary. Cause we yeah. were in a very specific area where we were, I mean, we were less than a hundred yards away from the, the, the boundary of where we were allowed to shoot. And on the other right. side, if they crossed that line and there was no fence, I mean, there was a fence in the area, but it wasn't the fence of the, of the, the property line. So if they crossed right. over into that across that property line, then it was illegal to shoot. And so I was like, um K it's a, uh, you're kinda last chance here, bud. <laughs> yeah, go. but you didn't you didn't you didn't say that. <laughs> no, I didn't that, say that. No, Thankfully, I didn't say that, it was but like that like, probably would have put you me on edge. You sensed the urgency but... in my voice where yeah, I was kinda I did. thinking that.
1: Yeah. And uh I, so I've got my crosshairs on the one doe and um I'm watching it and I'm waiting and it goes broadside and stops for just like, I swear one Mississippi and I felt like, I don't know. I was just like, I felt like this is it. Like I didn't even realize what was happening until my, my finger curled around that trigger and I squeezed perfectly. And, and when I say perfectly, I mean, yeah, I'm a pretty good shot with the rifle, but I make the mistake of pulling the trigger. Right. I pulled the trigger all the time but I squeezed it and the shot surprised me and I was like whoa I shot it I think I shot it did I shoot it and I'm like is it down did I get it yeah and I was like and, I don't know right because you were always... just as surprised yeah because well, I was, I was watching
0: I'm watching the the deer through my rangefinder which is 6x yeah. and I'm watching it and then the, the 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 shot goes off and it startles me I get back on the deer and the deer are all running around and none of them looked injured. I was right. like, um, I don't know. And you're like, did I get it? And I was like, I don't know. And I was like, don't shoot again. Cause I didn't know which one, you know? And so we only had, unlike Bryce who had three tags, he could have just started shooting. Right. But <laughs> we like, we only had one tag. Well, you, each of us had a tag, but I didn't want you to shoot again. And then I was like, I don't know. And then all of a sudden it just tipped over. I was like,
1: boom. Well, <laughs> and like, and it's that down, was the funny down. part was before that, oh I'm and like, i told you dude, to rack another one yeah <laughs> did i hit it and you're like oh i don't know so you get your rangefinder back on it and you're looking you're like i don't know man i still see four deer and i'm sitting there like well, what do i do now and you're like oh rack another one rack another one in the chamber and yeah. i'm like okay shoot so yeah, like
0: i like almost forgot to tell you that because yeah. it's just habit for me it's like i fire and i rack another one boom like yeah you just fire and rack another one but that that's
1: another thing is yeah. like as a newbie as a, as a new hunter. Yeah, yeah, like I didn't think. Right. So I, I racked another one and um just as I did, you were like, dude, you got it. And I look up through the scope and I see its legs kicking as it's falling down the hill. And I just remember like the the, the pure elation, like the excitement of it all was like incredible. Like I really just did this. Like it was so awesome. And <clears throat> I think you were you were just as excited. We were both excited and kind of sitting there dumbfounded when i realized dude the the other three deer are still standing there grab the rifle and you're like that's right i need to have the rifle yeah, so like, I was like oh I, we I moved might out get a double way. yeah, yeah i like totally forgot down. i was just
0: so stoked that you got yours
1: right so yeah you threw yourself down and, and i was ranging them for you but they, they ended up getting away but yeah, which was they crossed the is, pa-
0: the boundary and honestly yeah. at that point i wasn't thinking about the boundary and i had them in my scope and i was like <clears throat> just kind of waiting for a good shot none of them presented a good shot which is a good thing yeah. because i might have shot them f- and forgot about the boundary <laughs> right right. and yours died 20 y- i i uh, measured on onyx after mm-hmm. we went over there and it was 20 yards away from the property line Right. And I was like barely in. I was like, whew,
1: that was close. Well, and, and it fell like 10 yards down the hill. So yeah, you probably shot so it, it. Probably, probably shot away, it yeah. like
0: exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. 10 yards from the property line.
1: I'm just glad that I was able to make a good shot. Cause I mean, it expired quickly. It didn't have a chance to run or buck or anything like that. I mean, it really just fell down the hill and died. Yeah, it was
0: a perfect shot. We didn't lose any meat. It was just perfect.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it was an incredible experience, like knowing that I did it, knowing that, uh, um, I was able to, you know, it was awesome. It was so cool. Yeah.
0: And then, uh, I know we're kind of getting long here, but uh, like then you got to cut up your first animal too. What was yeah. that like? And he, it, what, Uh, did you learn any lessons there anything that surprised you with that
1: oh yeah I I, I learned a lot I mean uh lesson number one don't cut yourself
0: oh yeah (laughs) I forgot (laughs) we were like you cut into the hide like yeah did the initial cut like down the neck a little bit and then you started going and like
1: the first cut because you were like this is where you start and this is how you go and I'm like all right cool so I've got my knife and I'm trying to Get him in follow, and follow. Like, you know, follow along the spine like it showed me, and I nick my freaking thumb. I'm like, Dude, immediately
0: you cut yourself, and you i was serious? like, oh no.
1: <laughs> I, I'm surprised. Yeah, so you take a first aid kit, just, everybody. We just pulled out yeah. the first aid kit. We slapped yep. a band aid on yeah. it. It
0: was fine. It wasn't too yeah. deep or anything.
1: But no, yeah, no, no, be no careful. big deal at all. It yeah. just it, it was, was pretty funny, funny though. Like really. <laughs> so yep, yeah, got that cleaned up, and then um. Uh, yeah it it was really cool getting to um skin it and and quarter it out um once again just like that you can watch all the youtube videos you want doing it is just a whole different thing like um it was a, a really neat experience especially just again i don't, this might sound like cheesy or something but like it felt like it was cool like to it was very it's like on a personal level with a deer cause like I really was there for the meat. Like the learning experience was, was the plus to all of that. Cause like I really wanted to be able to fill the freezer and like, you know, feed my family. And, um, so it was, it was awesome to be able to it was kind of like bonding with the animal at the same time that I was like getting this meat taken care of.
0: Yeah. It's a, it's a cool experience. Like, um, It's, it's never, uh, it's always a heavy moment when you take a life, you know, it's, um, even though you're, you're using everything, you're taking it humanely, you're doing it legally, you're contributing money to conservation, all those positives that go along with it. There is, I don't think it'll ever be like a full, you know, like you're taking a life, you know, and there's, there's a certain heaviness and reverence that goes along with that no matter, no matter what even if you're doing it for good reasons, you're going to utilize every scrap of meat, you know? Um, Yeah. That's a, it's a surreal kind of moment.
1: That was great. I mean, and also it was just, it was just a proud moment. Like I did this and there's a, a really neat accomplishment. Um, and then also just getting to text my wife on the Garmin. Like, yeah, that was cool. Hey, I did it. Like, I don't even remember what I said to her. I was like, babe I got one (laughs) and uh we had already uh talked about like you know we wouldn't we wouldn't message each other except for emergencies or if I get one and it was it was incredible yeah that's cool yeah
0: yeah and now you're a full-blown hunter you're (laughs) done you're done for
1: (laughs) oh yeah man I, I I've got the itch like can't wait for next year yeah
0: I mean, you're are you gonna get a turkey tag? You can do turkeys?
1: You know, I was thinking about it. Um, I mean there's not really any reason why I shouldn't or wouldn't. But um so yeah, I probably will. <laughs> yeah, you're you're going to. You're gonna go turkey hunting. <laughs> yeah,
0: dude. Well, this has been awesome. I mean, like I said at the beginning of the of the show, like you've been a huge contributor to the podcast just through our conversations and helping cool. me understand like what people need. And so, all of you out there listening, if you've enjoyed this podcast, any in previous episodes, there's a chance that Paulo was some kind of inspiration for it. So you can thank Paulo. And speaking of that, where should people go to follow you? I mean, you've been documenting some of your fitness journey on your Instagram page. We can link that if you want to give a plug for that.
1: Um, sure. My uh, Instagram is called uh, Beginners Always. Uh, that's beginners A L L W A Y S. Um The I guess driving motivation behind that was uh my wife and I just wanted to show people like you can always begin something new. Doesn't matter where you're starting or you know what your uh, physical or financial abilities are at that time, like it shouldn't get in the way of what you want to accomplish. So Yeah, dude.
0: And that's just a, that's just a theme for this whole podcast today it's just like you just you did you made a decision you went with it you overcame obstacles and you you just went out and did it and that's awesome and I think it's super inspiring I know people are gonna love this episode (laughs) and
1: I just I'm honored to have you as a friend
0: yeah dude I mean it was really an honor like I I I'm I there's no other word other than just like honor. I feel honored to have been present for your first like tag or your first tagged out animal. Like that's such a cool (laughs) experience (laughs) and I was just, just so glad to be a part of it. So yeah, um, thanks for coming. Thanks for coming on the show. really appreciate it. And, uh, I'm sure we'll have you on again.
1: Awesome. Thanks.
0: All right, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Paulo. His story is just so inspirational to me. It makes me want to go out and do new things and try hard things. And what a trooper for going on an, a, a solo elk hunt as basically your first big game hunt. I mean, that's like props just for even trying that. <laughs> so anyway, Paul is awesome. Make sure you go check out his Instagram at beginners always. And I'll link that in the show notes along with everything else we talked about in this episode. And I also want to just mention again real quickly for those of you who are just overwhelmed by the whole scouting and And finding your tag and knowing the regulations and the season dates and the weapons and what type of hunt and finding a place to go on public land and the rules and all that stuff. If that is all overwhelming to you and you want somebody else to do it, I'd be happy to do it for you. Send me $50 and I will take care of you completely with a money back guarantee. I mean, it sounds like a totally sales pitch. I mean, I guess it kind of is, but like, I just want to validate this idea. I think it'll be really helpful for people. If you don't want to deal with all that stuff, I will deal with it for you. And it'll be fun and he'll probably learn a lot along the way. We'll uh, share waypoints and I'll show you places that I think are good. We'll find the perfect spot for you to camp, to hike, to glass, and to be successful on your hunt. You have to do all the legwork, obviously. Um, I'm not going to be physically scouting for you, but the e-scouting and the planning, I love that stuff. And so it can be really complicated and I'm going to take care of it all for you. So I'll leave my Venmo down in the show notes. The first five people who send me $50 will get that first dibs. And if you're number six, I'll just kindly return your money, let you know that you're not in, unless you're an insider. If you're a Hunt the West founding member, if you have the OG t-shirt, then um, I'll let you in no matter what. So (laughs) you don't have to be one of the first five, but for everyone else you have to be the first five people to get in on this and um, yeah like it'll never be this inexpensive ever again so i'll leave it at that and for the rest of you you can just keep listening this podcast is totally free i'm going to keep bringing you the content that you come here for every time and if you made it this far into the episode thank you for listening i really appreciate it now get out there and hunt the west